I want to get into my message today, and I had a whole way that we were going to go to it, and, and I just felt like I can't start there. So here's where I'm going to start today. Um, and I don't look forward to this, but sometimes God says to do something, so I'm just going to do it. So um, this was supposed to be a little bit more of a surprise. We were going to kind of sneak into this, but we're going to talk about giving today. Um, and, and I believe that giving is, is timeless. It is a, an, an incredibly timeless truth. And the reason why I have to start here is a couple of months ago I was sitting down with a good buddy um, at Starbucks, and uh, we were having a conversation about preaching. Uh, and, and he talked to me, and, and he brought up this other topic and said, I know sometimes it's scary to preach about stuff like this. And I don't even remember what the thing was. I think it was some kind of a sin topic. And I kind of puffed my chest out, almost kind of got prideful, like, oh, I'm not scared to preach about that. I ain't scared. You know, like, I'm never scared. Like, I'll preach about anything. I'll tell anybody anything that God wants me to say. And as soon as I did that, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, no, you're afraid to talk about giving. I mean, as clear as day, as clear as I've ever heard from God in my life, I heard him say it, and I knew he was right. And there's a bunch of reasons why it's true. It's true because, um, man, just last year we did a series on James. We read through verse by verse through the book of James, and we got to James chapter 5, and there's a couple verses in James chapter 5 that talk about giving, and all we did was read those verses and talk about them just like everything else. It wasn't a series about giving. It wasn't even a message about giving. It was like four minutes about giving. Um, and we had a family leave the church. Um, it, it was a newer family who, who had really was excited about what God was doing at City Church, and they had been burned by church in the past, and they were hurt, and it's exactly the kind of family that we try to reach, exactly the kind of family that City Church is for. And, and we spent four minutes talking about giving, and, no, we've been burned by this. We've been hurt by this. We've had people abuse this. We're out. And so it's just easier just to ignore it, right? Like it's easier just to leave it over there and say, hey, let's talk about other stuff. Um, but, but here's why, two things, why, why I don't think God's going to let me do that. So be, before I even get to that, let me say this. What I have to do this morning as your pastor is I have to repent to you. Um, and, and repenting sucks. Um, like, I don't enjoy it. I don't know if anybody in here is like, man, I love to say I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't like it, especially like when it's somebody that God's called you to lead. Like, like when I step on my kid's toes and, and I hurt him or I, or I bump into him or something. Like, Judah, I'm so sorry. Man, it stinks. I don't like having to tell my son I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be the one who has the right. I'm supposed to have the one, you know, he's supposed to apologize to me. I'm not supposed to apologize to him. So to stand up here as your pastor and I have to say I'm sorry, like I don't look forward to that at all. Um, and so I'm driving across the mountains of North Carolina and Tennessee last night and kind of wrestling with this. And it's 1 o'clock in the morning and God's kind of speaking. And it's like, gosh. Why did I even come back? I could have had somebody else speak, and I could still be with my family in North Carolina, and I could deal with this next week. But, but that's not what God had for me today. So, so first, I'm sorry. And here's why I'm sorry, because here's what I felt like God said. We talked about eternity last week, right? We talked about how we're, we're all going to stand before God. And when we stand before him, we want him to be proud. We want him to look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, well I also thought about this. One day we're going to be in eternity together. We're, we're going to spend eternity together. We're going to worship together. Like this community that God's built here, I think we're going to be able to, to continue to have that community with plus a whole lot of other people. But we're going to see each other. And, and, and I felt like God said, what if one of your people, what if somebody in your church comes up to you in eternity and they're like, why did, why did you teach me about giving? How come all these other people that went to all these other churches, like they've got this blessing in eternity. They know that this person's here because they gave. They, they, they received this blessing because they gave, because their pastor loved them enough to teach them about it. And your people come to you and say, why? Why didn't you tell them? Why didn't I know? 
and, and it's funny because sometimes there's things that you're, you're hesitant to speak on because you're not good at them. Like you get into a sin issue and you're talking about something, you're talking about like priorities with time, and you know that you watch too much football. It's like crap. I got to talk about this, and I got to get this fixed in my life. And, and then there's those things that you don't want to talk about because you know, man, I'm, I'm flashing the mirror right back at myself. And, and it's funny when it comes to giving because I'm not afraid to talk about giving because this is a weakness in my life. And this is an area that God has, has shown himself so strong. In my family, this is an area that, that he's proven himself time and time and time and time again. And it's not to say that I have this mastered or we're perfect in this, but, but if you were to, like, list my strengths and weaknesses, this would be a whole lot stronger on the strength side than on the weakness side. And yet I'm afraid to talk about it because I know people have been abused in this way. I know it's hurt people. I, I know that there, there are people who immediately, man, as soon as we talk about money, well, they're just like every other church. And, man, we want to we defy stereotypes. We, we don't want to be just like any other church. We want to be better. We want to be healthy. And, and so there's this hesitation and this fear. And so I say all that, and I've rambled way too long. I, I just want to apologize. I'm sorry. You guys deserve better. And by God's grace, you're going to get better. So with all that being said, um, I have no way to transition into my message out of this. I have no idea how we're supposed to do this. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to just pretend that none of this happened, and then we're going to get into the message, all right? Father God, I thank you that you are a God of grace. God, I thank you that even when my sin or my shame is strong, God, that Jesus is strong. So God, I thank you that you've given me the opportunity this week to, to repent of you for being afraid of this um, and have the chance to, to repent to your people. And God, I ask that, that you would speak strong through this message today, God, that you would encourage people, that they can trust you, God, that you would speak loud and clear, God, that, that you would show up in a great way in people's finances, God, that your people would be blessed, God, that your kingdom would be blessed, that your kingdom would grow because of the time we spent together today. We thank you for all these things, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. All right. Let's see where we can go from here. Um, so we're talking, supposed to talk about how, how the series is all about trends, right? And how, how some things are trendy and you've got skinny jeans and you've got iPads and you've got all this stuff that maybe was on trend or maybe skinny jeans were never really trendy. Maybe they were never really cool, but some people thought they were cool. Um, and, and so uh, I actually brought in my senior picture to, to maybe illustrate some, some trends. So if you will throw this up here for us. Um, I said we were in, uh, that's me in 1999. Um, we, we were in North Carolina this week, and uh, my, my son was in the room next to us. We have a two-year-old son named Judah, uh, and he was sleeping in the room next to us, and this is, like, right above his bed. And so my poor son didn't get much sleep. Um, this picture, first of all, I have to tell you this. This picture is massive. I don't know what is the next size up from 11 by 17, but it's at least the next size up, maybe two sizes up from that. It's huge. It's bigger than my kid. Uh, and so you can maybe kind of see my reflection in it because I took the, it's like the mirror pick. Uh, I took it with the iPhone. So that's me in 1999. Um, we, we can talk about a few trends here. You probably can't see it, but I had my ears pierced my senior year of high school. In fact, actually, the senior year, I only had my left ear pierced. Then at the end of my senior year, I got my right ear pierced. Um, but you can see the jeans. I don't know if you can tell. Um, I was about 160 pounds then, so it's about 100 pounds ago, um, but those jeans would still be big on me today. Um, the, the, the legs, you can barely see my feet, um, and it's not because I, my feet are that small. Um, if you could see my feet, in fact, I think we got a closer up image. Go ahead and go to that one. Okay. You can kind of see my right foot right there a little bit. You can definitely see my reflection better in this one. Um, so I'm wearing Timberlands. Um, and those... 
Yes. Uh, so, so when I was in high school, Tim's were it. Uh, if you didn't have Tim's, you were not cool. So you can't see them because my pants are so big because jean codes were in and they, uh, like the, the pant legs were as big as a, a waist should be. Um, so this is a great way to illustrate trends, right? Like this was very not trendy. All right, no, it was very trendy at the time, but, but trends fade. Right? Like, like, we can all look back probably at a, at a picture at some point in our life and be like, what was I thinking? What was I wearing? What was going on with my hair? Uh, like, we all have those embarrassing moments in our past. So this is me as a senior in high school. I actually just did a wedding uh, for a guy I graduated with yesterday. And so I've kind of had going back to high school and going back to, to, to that period of my life. So I thought I'd share this with you. Now you can take that off the screen so we never have to look at it again. Um, thank you. Thank you. So... So we all know that traits and trends go out of style. And so what we're talking about today as we talk about giving is we're talking about something that never goes out of style. We're talking about something that no matter what generation you're in, no matter how old you are, no matter how, how blessed you are, how, how fin- you know, where you're at financially, no matter what race you are, what gender you are, what ethnicity you are, what nationality you are, this is something that will not go out of style. This is something that, that, that will apply, that will impact your life no matter where you're at. Um, It shows up not only here on earth, but giving actually shows up in eternity. This is so timeless that Jesus says it's going to make a difference, it's going to make an impact in eternity. So, So of all the things that we can get right, if we get this thing right, we are actually laying up treasure for our future. We're laying up treasure for eternity. And, and so as we get into this this morning, I want to talk to you about this financial term known as ROI, return on investment. Uh, if you're into the financial world, if you're into investments or mortgages or, or, or mutual funds or stocks and bonds, these types of things, you're familiar with the term, uh, perhaps even real estate, familiar with the idea of ROI, return on investment. Uh, l- let me illustrate this for you. If you had invested 990 bucks in Apple when Apple first went public, any idea how much that would be worth today? Uh, it would be worth 313740 bucks. That's a heck of a return on an investment. Uh, my, my dad, we, I'm from Seattle, Washington. I moved when I was about 15 years old. And so we were in Seattle when Microsoft exploded, which w- was back in the 80s. And MS-DOS came out. And, and Microsoft stock went from $0.30 cents to this massive amount of money. In fact, Bill Gates has said that Bill Gates created more millionaires than anybody in American history. And so my dad has always kicked himself that we didn't get in on Microsoft stock way back at the beginning. Like our our whole future would have been different if we would have done that, would have gotten this massive return on investment. But of course, it doesn't always work that way. Uh, Maybe or maybe not, you might remember a company called Webvan. Webvan came out and, and their whole concept was delivering groceries. They were going to run around and, and let people order groceries, and they're going to deliver groceries to your house. So if you'd have dev- invested that same 990 bucks in Webvan when they first went public, how much would you have today? Zero, right? Why? Because the return on investment was poor. It was not a good company to invest in. The concept was not nearly as solid as what Apple was doing. And, and so we're familiar with this idea of return on, on investment, but there's always this disclaimer. If you go to, to any financial advisor, if you you invest in anything, if they're being honest with you, they're going to tell you this. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Just because Apple has blown up 
over the last 20 years or 30 years doesn't mean if you go invest in Apple today, it's necessarily going to increase at the same rate over the next 20 or 30 years. It might, but it might not. In fact, obviously, with Steve Jobs no longer in the, in the mix, there, there's maybe some reason to hesitate about that investment. Why? Because past performance does not guarantee future results. We know this. We get this. We understand this. But here's why I bring it up. Today, I want to give you the, the greatest financial advice you could ever receive. And, and it's not because I'm the great, greatest financial advisor you could ever have, because I'm not. Um, our, our finances are all right. We, we, don't, we don't have the, everything perfectly in order the way that we need to. We're still working on some things. And actually, one of the things, you know, you go on a long road trip and you got a long time to talk. One of the things that started talking is, okay, our stewardship and our budget and some of the stuff that we need to move around and some things we need to start doing better. And, and those things come up. So I'm not standing up here today as the greatest financial advisor. When I am standing up here today as somebody who knows what God's word says. Um, and he is the greatest financial advisor. And I want to share that with you this morning. In fact, we're going we're gonna to look at two passages of scripture, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. We're going to start in, in Malachi chapter 3. And, and if we're not careful, this is a really cliche place to go. And, and so I want to present this maybe in a little different way. What we're going to do is we're, we're going to approach this like we're eavesdropping on a conversation between God and his people. We're, we're going to look at this because that's really what we're doing. It's the record of a conversation. It's not just some verses. It's not just some teaching. It's, it's, it's a dialogue between God and his people. And, and as we approach it this way, I, I believe that God may speak to us as well. So God is speaking to his people. And, and in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 7, he says, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Rough start to a conversation with God. Uh, not only you, but your daddy and your grandpa and your great-grandpa, like, on down the line, you guys haven't kept my decrees. Not, not a good start for Israel. And then God says this. He says, return to me, and I will return to you. In, in other words, I've already made the first move. I came to you. I made covenant with you. I made sacrifices for you. You walked away from me. I'm not going to chase you down. I'm going to tell you the truth. And if you'll just step back towards me. I'm coming back to you. New Testament says it this way. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Right? He's, I'm just one step away. If you'll just turn around. We see it in the story of the prodigal son all throughout scripture, right? Like the prodigal son begins to return home, and, and the father runs to him. If we'll just take a step towards God, he's going to come and meet us right where, they're at, right, right where we're at. So he says, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord God Almighty. So, so God is pleading with his people to return to him, but the response of, of Israel reveals there's a problem. They didn't know that they've left. What, what, what does they say? They say, but, but you ask, how are we to return? We didn't even know we were gone. We didn't know we blew it. What are we supposed to do? How do we get back to where you want us to be? You ever felt that way with God? God, I, I feel distant from you. I feel far from you. How do I get back to this place? How do I get back to where I used to be, man? I can look back at some point in my life. And I was close. I can look back at some point in my life and I was intimate. I can look back at some point in my life and I could hear you clearly. And I'm not there anymore. How do I return? Israel says, God, how do we get back to where you want us to be? And, and so God, instead of laying out just the steps, he, he answers with a question. We see Jesus do this in the New Testament all the time, right? Like people ask him a question and Jesus responds with a question. He's going to make us think. He's going to make us wrestle with some things. Jesus didn't just come just to make us comfortable. He came to make us better. And so he's, God's going to make them uncomfortable for a moment before he gives them the answer. So verse 8, he says, will 
a man rob God, yet you rob me. What a ridiculous statement. Who's, who in their right mind is ever going to rob God? Who in their right mind is going to be like, yeah, that's God's house over there. Uh, he's away on vacation. I'm going to sneak in, and I'm going to take his big screen TV, right? Like, nobody's walking in and taking something from God. We, we all understand, like, hey, that's God's. I'm not touching it. I'm not messing with it. But he says, but my people have robbed me. And then the people say, wait, what? I didn't know I was robbing God. I'm, are you talking about me? Are you sure you're not talking about the guy down the road? Like, I don't think this was me, God. And, and God says, but you ask how. Are we robbing you? How is this possible? And he says, in tithes and offerings. A lot of times we just make this about tithes, right? A lot of times we just make this about a 10%. Well, hey, you're not giving the 10%, so you're robbing God. God goes so far to say, I expect tithes and offerings. Not tithes or offerings, not one or the other, but he says, I'm I'm believing you for both. I'm so good to you. This is what I'm worthy of. You're robbing me in tithes and offerings. And he says, you're under a curse, your whole nation because you're robbing me. Now, this is not a, a message where you get a lot of amens. This is not a message where people are just like smiling and pumped up and, yeah, hallelujah, we're robbing God, right? Like, I get it. This is not something that, that we like to hear. I see a lot of people kind of looking down, a lot of people kind of fidgeting. It, it's not a comfortable topic, and, and, and I totally understand. But, but this is the beauty of the God that we serve. He doesn't stop in verse 9. The conversation begins to shift. He, he lays out the charge. He lays out, this is what you've done. This is how you've failed. This is where you've missed it. But then he offers the steps back. He gives them the, the tension of the question. He lets them wrestle with it for a minute. He lets it hit them. But then he says, here's, here's where we're going. Here's how you can get this fixed. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, verse 10, that there may be food in my house. So in other words, the reason why we tithe is so that God's house could be full of food. So that God's house can feed people. So that God's house can be a blessing. And then he says, famously, he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for it. So, so we have a command, and then we have an invitation. First, the command is stop robbing me of tithes and offerings. Some of us in this room today, that's, that's what God's message to us would be. Stop stealing from me. Stop robbing me. Stop taking what belongs to me. And, and then he gives the invitation. And I believe that this applies to, to so many of us. He says, test me in this. So in other words, like I said, my, my wife and I, we haven't been robbing God in this area. We, we've been faithful in the tithe and, and even above the tithe. But we haven't really been faithful to test God in it lately in other words we, we haven't been putting it before him and saying okay god we you know like it, like it just becomes almost a business transaction we write the check we drop it in the bucket or a lot of times we, 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 we do it online or whatever and that's it I'm, I'm not praying over my giving i'm not trusting god for something big i'll, I'll pray over the church's giving because i want to see the church blessed because i want to see the the church reach people but but in our personal finances we've we've stopped testing god and so we're, we're testing god again We're going before him and we're saying, okay, God, as we give this, we're believing you that you're going to come through. We're believing you that you're going to throw open the floodgates of heaven. We're believing you that you're going to show up in a mighty way. And so this this here in verse 10, as he says, test me in this, this is the the biblical version of the triple dog dare, right? Like he said, I triple dog dare you to test me in this. I don't know. I don't think you've got enough guts to step out and test me. But if you do, 
Watch what I do in your life. Watch how I prove myself true. And, and, and then the pushback to this is, is so natural and so understandable. Here's, here's what most of us say. God, if I just made more money, I would get more. God, if I just got that raise, if I just got that promotion, God, if, if, if I just got my student loan paid off, praise Jesus, one day we're going to have student loans paid off in our house, right? Like if I just got that taken care of, then I could get. The, the problem with that logic is, is the numbers don't hold up. Um, numbers prove this completely the opposite. In fact, let me, let me illustrate this for you. For, for people who, Christians, call themselves Christians, practicing Christians, they make $25,000 a year. The average is they give 7.7% of their income. 7.7%. Not quite 10, but that's pr- pretty close, right? Seven, over 75% of the way there. Over three quarters of the way, people who give 25000 But then if we get to twenty-five to 50000 that drops all the way down to 48 3% drop just in, in one tax bracket up. One jump of $25,000. We go from 7.7 to 4.8. Now, if we go up to 50 to 75, it drops to 3.5%. If we go up to 75 to 100,000, it drops to 3%. If we go to 100,000 to 200,000, it drops to 2.6%. And then the, the hero group, the 200,000 plus, the, the 1%, right? Um, they actually, this is the first one that jumps up. They jump from 2.6 all the way up to 2.8 uh, at the highest bracket. Why is this? Uh, well, it, it happens for a couple of reasons. Um, one that, I, that I've experienced personally that maybe I can illustrate this with is, so before I was pastor here, I was youth pastor, right? Um, and I'd, I got to speak to 6th through 12th graders every Wednesday night. In fact, I got to, to come to the 62 a couple of weeks ago and celebrate with our young people, and, and I love those young people so much. And what's crazy is when I was leading the youth ministry, I wasn't afraid to talk about money. Why not? Because kids don't have any. There's never been a teenager who's left youth ministry because their youth pastor talked about money. Because it's really easy when you don't have any money. Oh, that's fine. Cool. I'll think about that one day. Not a big deal right now, right? No, I've never in, in all the years that I was youth pastor did I ever talk about money and had a teenager get up and leave. Never. You talk about adults. All of a sudden, you're talking about something that impacts their life. You're talking about something that, that, that has a chance to ch- to, to change the, the way they approach life, the way that they budget. And so you start talking to adults, it's a little scarier. It's a little more impactful. But, but I want to illustrate this for you in another way. And so um, it, you probably notice there's some pies up here. Um, so, so let me see if, if I can do this well. Um, so here's a pie. This is a, a pumpkin pie. It's very seasonally appropriate. How many pumpkin pie fans do we have in the house? A few of you? Well, you're about to get hooked up. Um, so, so we got this pumpkin pie. Um, and it's going to represent your budget, okay? It's going to represent your finances. So, so this is the way that, that a lot of times once we get a little further along financially, this is the way that we approach things. So we have the first slice of the pie. I don't know what it is for you, but in a lot of households, the first slice of the pie goes to the mortgage, goes to the rent, right? Like that's the first thing. We got to get that paid. So this is going to go to Aaron, first slice of pie. I know you don't have a fork. You'll be all right. Um, so, so you got your first slice, right? And then your next slice of the pie, uh, maybe it's, it's your utilities. Got to pay Atmos. Got to pay Entergy. Got to pay wh- whatever that utility is. So, so Melody, she's got a baby. She's got somebody to take care of. She got some pie. She's blessed this morning. So that goes to her. And, and we go on down the line, right? And so you're a little further along. So th- as we make more money, we make more priorities. Well, well, I'm making X amount of money. I need to start setting some money aside for retirement. 
So, so now I have a retirement fund or, or an IRA, right? And so Dwindle uh, is going to represent our retirement fund because he's older than me. Ha! Uh, love you, dog. Uh, and, and then uh, you have kids, and, and kids, man, we're going to give two slices. Kids are expensive, right? Kids take money, um, and then you have kids, and then they get out of the house, and then they come back, and they take another slice of the pie when they come back. So, so we got a lot of kids. I got three slices here for Cindy because she got three girls. Uh, so, so you deserve plenty right there, Cindy. Um, and, and so we have all these different slices of the pie, right? We got our credit card bills, and we got... Our student loans, for gosh sakes, we got student loans, right? And we got all these different priorities, and before you know it, all of the pie has been divvied up. Even if we make 200000 a year, even if we're at that high bracket, all the pie has been prioritized and has been committed to somebody. It's going to Ceasefire. It's going to Comcast. It's going somewhere, and all the pie is gone, and now we look in our, in our plate, and all we got left is crumbs. And then we remember, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to give something to God. Oh, yeah, we, we want to make a difference. Oh, yeah, yeah, God's got something for me. And it's not that our heart's in the wrong place necessarily. But we bring God our crumbs. We bring him our leftovers. And if you take the time to read Malachi chapter 3, what you discover is the charge against the Israelites wasn't that they weren't giving. It's that they weren't giving well. That They were bringing the, the blind cow. They, they were bringing the, 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 the goat that was a little bit skinnier. They, they were bringing the stuff that didn't cost them anything. They were bringing God their leftovers. They were bringing in their crumbs. The charge against the Israelites was not you don't give. The charge was you don't give the way that I've ordained for you to give. Give me your leftovers. And that's where so many of us end up. And so Pastor Bo's a youth pastor. He don't make much. He's going to get the leftovers today. So we got another pie over here. We got an apple pie. I don't know if there's any apple pie fans in the house. It's, this is my dad's favorite pie. I got to see my dad the last three days, so I got an apple pie in honor of Pops. And, and so this is going to represent a new budget. This is going to represent, you know what, I'm going to put God first in my finances, and so I'm going to take the first slice out and dedicate it to him. So the first 10% is going to him. I'm putting it right here. It's God's. I'm praying over it. I'm believing God to do something with it. I'm investing it in his kingdom because I know the return on the investment here is better than my retirement plan. No offense, Dwindle. I believe the return on the investment here makes a bigger difference. I believe that I can trust God. And most importantly, don't miss this. I believe that this 90% of my apple pie is going to go further than 100% of my pumpkin pie. I believe that the 90% that I've honored God with, the 90% that I've prioritized him in first, that now it's got his blessing on it. And if it's got his blessing on it, these nine slices of pie are going to feed a whole lot more people than those ten. That it's going further. And I know this is a really simple illustration, and it's really basic. And some of you are like, why didn't I get some pie? I hate this guy. Um, but, but hopefully that makes some sense. That's what we're saying is that, God, I'm giving you the first slice. You see, because tithing is not just about 10%. Tithing is about the first fruits, and that's why it had to be a fruit pie. And when I decided for a fruit pie, I was like, I'm going to give my dad a shout-out with the apple pie. But, but tithing is about saying, you know what, God, you're coming first. Before I'm paying my mortgage, before I'm investing for the future, be, before I'm paying back my student loan, before I'm paying back the credit card with the 29% interest rate that I never should have charged, before I do any of that stuff, you come first. 
And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, God isn't joking when he says, test me in this. God isn't messing around. He is not lying. He is not deceiving you. But let me say this. I know as soon as we start talking about this in church, there's, there's all these people who have, have, have stolen money. There's all these people who have done horrible things with money. I don't even like talking about this because I don't want to be that guy. But, but I'm not going to sit there and look at you face to face in heaven and have you ask me, why don't you teach me more? I'm not going to do that. And that means even we lose some people from the church as much as that will break my heart. My responsibility is to teach you the word of God. And, and I, I can say with every ounce of integrity in my bones, I am not standing up here because I want a bigger paycheck. I'm not standing up here because we don't have the bills paid. And, man, if we don't get a big offering this week, the church is shutting down. Uh, I, I'm not standing up here for anything other than I love you. I want you to honor God, and I want you to be faithful. Truly, truly, truly do. That is my motivation. And I will one day stand before God. And I'm going to have a lot of stuff to answer for that I did wrong. But I'm going to be able to look him in the eye and say, God, my motive was pure. My heart was pure when I taught your people about money. So which pie are we going to be? Which pie are you today? Well, which pie represents you? Are, are you the pumpkin pie where, where man, sometimes God gets a, some, some big crumbs and sometimes he gets some little crumbs and sometimes he doesn't get any crumbs at all? Uh, sometimes I lick the plate myself, and it's good. I'm a, I'm a plate licker. Man, if we have a dessert somewhere, my wife always laughs at me because, you know, we split the dessert, and then I'm, like, taking the spoon and getting the chocolate syrup off, and, you know, like, we, we do that sometimes, right? Um, are, are we taking it all for ourselves, or are we saying, you know what, God, you're first and you're foremost? So God says, I test me in this on tithes and offerings. What's an offering? An offering is something above the tithe. An offering is I'm giving above my 10%. Maybe it's because God laid something specific on your heart. Maybe it's because God's called you to a higher percentage level. But, but let me say this. If you've been a Christian for, for 10 years and you're not tithing, let's grow up. Let's mature in the faith. Let's take that step. Let's, let's begin to trust God. If you've been a Christian for, or you've been tithing for 10 years, and you're not giving offering, let's grow up. Well, let's, let's take that step. Because anytime we, we move towards God, what does he do? He moves towards us. And if we move towards God in our finances, what's God going to do? He's going to move towards us in our finances. That's his promise. He says, you return to me, I will return to you. I don't want God to show up in, in, in too many areas of my life more than my finances. I want my kids to go to college. I want their bills to be paid. I want, I want my family to be taken care of. That's a, that's a big thing. So I'm trusting him. I'm putting it in front of him. I'm believing him and standing in faith that, God, you're going to honor your word. And I invite you guys. I encourage you. I challenge you to do the same. So, so, so I trust that, that 90% of my income with his blessing is better than 100% without his blessing. So, so where do you start? Maybe you're here today and, and, and tithing doesn't sound like freedom. Because, man, you know all the bills that you owe. And you know the car payment. We didn't even get to the car pie. You know the insurance payment because you got some wrecks on your record. And you got some speeding tickets or whatever. Um, and, and you're like, man, there's just not a lot of pie. There's a whole lot of people that we owe. And, and it don't go very far. And, and I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so you, it's not that you don't love God. It's not that you don't want to honor him. It's, God, I just don't have it. I just don't know 
how to do it. What do you do if that's you? It feels like pressure. It feels like guilt. It feels like shame. We just saying that that shame was great, but Jesus is greater, and now we're putting shame back on you. That, that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to put guilt on you. We're not trying to guilt you into giving. Uh, in fact, the reason we, we were going to do the offering at the end of service through this whole series, but I felt this morning like, no, we're going to move it to the front because I, I don't want anybody giving today out of guilt. We got it out of the way before the message. You can take this and go home and wrestle with it and pray with, over it. I, I don't want you giving out of guilt. I, I want you giving out of obedience and out of faith, trusting God. Um, so, so where do you start if that's you? Uh, first thing that you do is you come back next week. We're going to talk more in depth on, on how to do this. Um, you don't even have to bring your checkbook with you next week. You, you can leave it at home uh, if that feels a little safer to you. Um, come back next week, and, and let me open up a little bit more and share with you a little bit more about what God's word says in, in this area of finances. Next week, we're going to break down in simple steps, uh, and we're going to put together for, for many of us a pathway to, to having the freedom to do this financially. Um, how, how do we get to that point? Um, how do I walk in generosity? How do I do this thing that is so timeless and trust that in a trendy world, the, the greatest things in life are timeless? That's what we're going to do next week. And, and we're going to trust and discover how to step out and, and test God when he says, test me in this. So here's what I want you to write down today. Here's our bottom line for today. Uh, hopefully you can take this with you. Hopefully you can put it in your heart. But when you become a caretaker of God's kingdom, God becomes a caretaker of your kingdom. That, that when you will begin to prioritize his kingdom financially, God's going to prioritize yours. That, that when you'll be a caretaker of his kingdom, he'll be a caretaker of yours. And I, and I know this, God's a better caretaker than me. God's more generous than me. God's got a bigger bank account than me. He's got better, better resources than I do. And, and so I want to caretake his kingdom, number one, because it, it matters. Number one, because I want to see people in eternity. Number one, because I want to build his kingdom. But, but secondly, because I know that he's going to take care of me. In response, how do you do that? How do you how do you begin to tithe if you're not there and you don't have the money? Come back next week. But but I'll tell you this today: it starts with the desire to put God first. At, at least let the desire kick in this week. At least begin to to pray over it. At least go to before God and say, God, I don't know how, but I want to. Help me to figure out how. At, at least begin to put that. Like God, my heart wants to do this. I don't see I don't see the path. I don't see the steps. But I want to. Help, help me to find the steps. Help, man, even pray over me for, as I speak next week. Help Pastor Troy to, to, to lay out in your word what those steps are because I want to be there. Start, start with that. Start with the desire that, that it's personal. God is scary, but, but I know that it matters. I want to get there. Here's what Jesus says. I told you we'd go to the New Testament as well as we're almost done, guys. Jesus says this very, very famously, Matthew 6.20. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. It's not trendy to store up treasure in heaven. It's trendy to have the latest, to have the nicest, to have the newest, to have the best, to, to go out and, and, and all of us, and I'm just as guilty as anybody, and blow our money on stuff that has no real significance. To begin to give God the first slice of the pie means some of those other things we're not going to have a slice for right now. We're going to have to say no to some things that, that seem really important right now, but, it, but it's having that eternal perspective. It's remembering that, you know what, th there is going to be a heaven, and, and I am going to spend eternity there, and God's going to bless me for the way that I lived in this life. I'm going to stand before Jesus one day and answer for the way that I lived, and, and I want to be proud. Uh, I want to have something that I've stored up. I don't know what it looks like to store up treasures in heaven. I don't know if that means that as we give, 
man, that, that your house is bigger in heaven or your car is faster uh, or your wife is prettier. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like to store up those treasures, but I know this. God's word is always true. And I have that opportunity to, to do that. In a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless. When you invest in the kingdom of God, your investment grows in value. It gets greater and greater. Moths can't eat it. Rust can't destroy it. Thieves can't steal it. When you become a caretaker of God's kingdom, God becomes a caretaker of your kingdom. And that's an awesome place to be. Don't miss this opportunity. Join us again next week. We won't have any pie for you. I apologize about that in advance. Uh, But we will have some steps that you can take uh, that are going to help you to to get there. And if you do want, after we pray, if you're really hungry, we got some pumpkin pie over here and some apple pie up here. And you can help yourself and and get a slice of that pie. But, But let's pray.